in John chapter 6, you know, when, when uh, Jesus was teaching about communion and about taking the, the bread and the cup, about how his body was being given um, for our healing and how his blood was going to be shed for our forgiveness. And, you know, it offended, it offended the people because it, it uh, caused them their, their religious mindsets. They couldn't receive it because, of course, the things of God are spiritually discerned and that is why we have to be born again, um, you know, that our spirit needs to be born again. But um, Jesus, you know, you can hear the humanity in his voice when he turns to his disciples. All that was left was the 12. And, you know, some Bible scholars have you know, judging by the, the um, accounts just before that in the Word of God, um, have deciphered that there was possibly up to uh, two to 3,000 people who used to follow Jesus around. And, you know, that's quite believable because you look at any charismatic kind of leader or even pop groups or anything, you know, you have people who, who book tickets to follow them all over the world. And um, so, you know, it's not something because... An unbeliever or a religious spirit could say that's impossible, but it's not. And uh, but they all left, and they all got they all got offended. And it's something I want to speak about today as well is is this message is about you know releasing um, harmony versus harmony versus strife. Really, I suppose. But um, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said to them, "Are you going to leave as well?" And Peter answered him and he said, Lord, where will we go? Where could we go? Because you have the words of life. And you see, that was the difference in, in the ones who were spending the most time with Jesus, the ones who were in relationship with him, because not only was, were they listening to his words, but there was a relationship. They were pouring into each other. And this is what was the difference. And, you know, it's what we're seeing in the world. And I don't care what people look like, what kind of cars they're driving or houses they have or how many wonderful uh, holidays they're putting up on Facebook or whatever. Listen, people are showing you what they want you to see. And what I see, and from speaking to people and dealing with people, what I see is that people are in utter chaos and, and that lives are, are, are being broken left, right and center. And the thing is, is that it's because of a lack of God a lack of intimacy and knowledge of God and his word. And the Lord has raised up, just as he did, you know, in, in, in the word of God in the Old Testament, when he raised up Gideon and only 300 men. You know, God is raising up a remnant who will stand and who will not give up and who will listen and press in for the spirit of God to direct their, their strategy and their navigation to bring deliverance, not just for themselves, but for the whole nation and for the whole land. And that's what the churches, the ecclesia, are the called out ones. And so, you know, harmony, um, and we spoke about it there on Thursday night, um, in, in one sense, harmony is so vital. Um, you know, not just that, because Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So ultimately, everything God does is, you know, relating to three people, God, you, and others. And, um, you know, there's, there's many scriptures. Let's have a look anyway. I want to start in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus came back. Um, from the wilderness from where he was tested and like he was fairly low at that point because he had been fasting without food or water for 40 days and 40 nights and um, the devil as you know you can read it at the beginning and um, he he um Sorry, I, I misquoted that there. He ate nothing during those days. Sorry, it was without food, obviously. I was just thinking there, so how could he live without water? Um, without food for 40 days. So he was fairly weak. I mean, I go about 40 minutes uh, past my lunchtime or my dinner time, and I can feel the sweats coming out through me needing to get something. You know, but here is Jesus fasting for that long in the wilderness. And it was the Holy Spirit who led him out there. It was the Spirit who led him into the wilderness and to prepare him for what was coming. And... You know, that's when Satan came and attacked, when he was low. And that's what he always does. The devil's a dirty player. 
and that's how he 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 operates you know is with dirty tactics and um he came and uh you know questioned Jesus's identity questioned his his calling and his destiny and uh you know that there so in verse how Jesus defeated him was by speaking the scripture back to him. And that is why Bible study is so vital. Because if we don't know the word of God, Satan knows the word of God backwards. And that's why he quoted the scripture there to Jesus. Satan knows the whole word of God. And I remember hearing years ago, Jesse DePlantis had a vision of heaven at one point. And um, it was, you know, he's quite funny in, in a lot of his descriptions but one thing that always stuck with me that he said and he said he saw different groups of people sitting under trees and he said they had they were clothed in in robes and they were sitting under trees and they were they were studying the word of God and he said if you don't learn it here you're going to learn it there so you might as well learn it here <laughs> you know um, they were studying the word of God because God's word is eternal and it will never change and so, you know, that's how Satan knows the word of God. And we need to know the word of God. And if we don't know the word of God, then we are left utterly defenseless. Because the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is our only weapon of offense. And this is why my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because they don't know me, uh, says the Lord. And, you know, in, when John wrote the gospel, in the first couple of lines, he wrote, and the word was with God and nothing was created without the word and the word was made flesh and came and lived and dwelt among us among men so Jesus is the word of God so studying the Bible it's not you know people say oh I can't read books I hate reading listen you're it's it's not reading a book this is a human this is a person that you are encountering when you study the word of God his word is alive God's word is alive. It, it, it's not a, an it. He's a person, Jesus. And so that's how Jesus defeated him with the word of God. And, and he just answered him each time. He didn't get into a tit for tat or into a big, you know, um, theological uh, explanation. He just answered him with the word. And the word shut the devil up each time. And eventually he left. And then in verse 14, Jesus went back to Galilee. This is the Amplified Bible here I'm reading from. Jesus went back to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Because you see, every, every circumstance, every negative thing that you'll go through will cause you to grow. It'll cause growth. And uh, that's why James said, you know, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Because your faith is being, is being strengthened, tested and purified. And so Jesus went back to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the entire region. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised and glorified and honored by all. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as was his custom. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written from, and this was from Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Messiah. This is the amplified version, as I said. Because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release pardon and forgiveness to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed who are downtrodden bruised or crushed by tragedy to proclaim the favorable year of the lord the day when salvation and the favor of god abound greatly then he rolled up the scroll having stopped in the middle of the verse and gave it back to the attendant and sat down to teach so he then taught from that scripture. And that's what Bible study is. We read the word of God, write it out, and we ask the Holy Spirit to teach us and to explain it to us. How does this apply to me in my life? Is, is this something you're highlighting in me that needs to be addressed? Is it, is it something that I, you know, whether it's a sin? Most people, first thought that comes to them, is it some kind of sin? Oftentimes, it can be some kind of fear. It can be some kind of, of you know, mindset or, or sort of way they've been raised 
to believe uh, something that is not correct. And so the Lord needs to, that's what the word of God does and studying it renews our mind. And so that's what he did. He taught them. And uh, I love this. And the eyes of all those in the synagogue were attentively fixed on him. Imagine that Jesus, the Messiah, the son of the living God, was sitting in that place with them and was explaining the word of God to them. You remember in Luke chapter 24 when the two apostles or the two disciples met him on the road to Emmaus and he started teaching them the word of God and they said afterwards, didn't our hearts burn within us when he spoke the word to us? You know, and this is the relationship we can have with Jesus Christ is that every day that we prioritize and spend time with him, he will minister the word of God to us. And I'll tell you, you won't, you know, you won't need to be going here, there and everywhere for help or for the latest, you know, whatever gimmick or fad. Because remember, there's fads in the, in the, in the church as well. You won't need it because I'll tell you, God will drop a word in your, and it will just set you free. Amen. And this happened to me yesterday. I, I um, was, was very stressed and worried about, uh, you know, somebody in my acquaintance, uh, someone close to me. And I was very worked up and stressed about, about them. And, you know, it was like I just found that... The enemy was magnifying all kinds of thoughts and, you know, racing thoughts of what's going to happen there and, there, you know, about uh, opening the door for curse and all kinds of things, just really burdening me with it. And I felt the Lord drop this word into my spirit. And you look there what he said in verse 18. He has sent me to announce release, pardon and forgiveness to the captives. And what the Lord... Uh, what the Lord spoke to me, I just want to read it to you, was this. In the same way that I'm crying over my loved ones and their need of salvation, you know, so is God. He was that way with me too. And he is that way with them. He's, he's willing and longing, you know, for them. And he's so patient and merciful. His love is unfailing. And you see, what happens is with us, we get really religious and start, uh, you know, pontificating and getting... And, and this is something I see in, in all of us. Look, uh, you know, I'm talking about myself here most of all, is that we start to try and work things out ourselves. And we try to become the Holy Spirit. And the thing is, is that... You know, the Lord, it says in, in um, Psalm 119, verse 64, it says, O Lord, your unfailing love fills the earth. Teach me your decrees and your statutes. His unfailing love is his loving kindness, his goodness and his grace. And he has called me on this earth, not as the Holy Spirit, as a vessel of the love of God and of the Spirit of God, that everywhere I go, I bring him. But that, you know, that remember in John, in John's epistle, um, John, first John chapter four, I think it's verse 17. It says, as he is, so are we on this earth. And in the same way that God is, God is merciful. He's full of unfailing love and compassion. And as we pray for people, we're to release them to him. And he's, the, you know, he's the Holy Spirit. He's the one. He is faithful. He said to uh, when Cornelius, you know, Cornelius had his whole household. And they were all, uh, you know, saved that day when Peter spoke to them. Later on, when Paul and Silas uh, were in the prison and the prison was shaken, what happened? The prison officer, the, the jailer, came to them and said, what must I do to be saved? And, you know, what Paul said to him, you and your household shall be saved. And so this, I feel, is something that we need to be very clear and sharp on because I think it does allow a spirit of strife to come in when we start getting worried and worked up and stressed and pontificating and, you know, trying to, to direct people in the right path. You know, we try to become the Holy Spirit and it's, it's a controlling thing, really. I think it's a pride thing as well. But um, if you want to have a look back at Isaiah chapter 61, just to clarify that verse that Jesus was reading from there in Luke 4, well, this is where he got it from. 
And um, he says in verse 1 of Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed and commissioned me to bring good news to the humble and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted, to proclaim release from confinement and condemnation to the, the physical and spiritual captives. Look at that. This again is the Amplified Bible. That God's spirit in the Messiah, in the word of God, in Jesus, is such power to actually proclaim, to proclaim it, release and forgiveness to those who are being imprisoned and held captive, not just by sin, but even physically, you know, as in with, with, with situations or circumstances where they feel imprisoned where they feel like nothing is ever going to change, where they feel hopeless. And this is what the Lord, you know, this is what he wants to tell people, is there's freedom there in Christ. And so freedom to the prisoners to proclaim in verse 2, the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance and retribution of our God. And, you know, uh, for those who receive Jesus, uh, there's, there is a day of justice coming for what the enemy has done. And we need to be proclaiming that to Amen. the enemy, that Amen. God's vengeance will bring retribution for us. It, he will bring recompense for what Satan has done, you know. And uh, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion the following, to give them beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. This is what Jesus has given when he has taken away our sins, our, our iniquities, our failings, our whatever, uh, you know, brokenness. This is what he gives us, his beauty, his righteousness, his right standing. Another version says a beautiful turban, you know, so like a, a kind of a head covering that's, that's really uh, beautiful and ornate. Um, the oil of joy. So joy is, is a, a beautiful gift from God. And it's something we need to cultivate. And we need to watch out. Because when we are ministering or when we are praying for others or when we're watching what's going on in the world, joy, I'll tell you, doesn't belong getting. Isn't that true? <laughs> what's the first plug that gets unplugged? Well, the joy goes straight away anyway. <laughs> and emptied, you know, like a bath draining from water all the joy is gone and uh, this is what also causes strife and and stress and and hassle and then he says the garment expressive of praise instead of a disheartened spirit imagine that so this is what jesus brings us is a, a beautiful garment of of right standing with god and peace with god that actually causes us to praise. And this is why it's so important to, to have, I would encourage you in the morning, put on your phone and plug it in your charger. Don't worry. Well, okay, I know the, the, the cost of electricity, but we believe the Lord will, he provides everything. He provides all our needs. But like, you know, put, in, put on and, and release worship music. Release someone playing the shofar. Release, you know, even background. There's some beautiful... Um, uh, instrumental music there there's one crowd called soak stream they they just speak scriptures in the background really quiet you can even leave it on you know in in your bedroom if you're you know is sleeping or whatever and um, just gently there's ones who play instrumental music called um there's a lovely crowd called depth depths of worship as in depths as in deep depths of worship and they just have you know our um, another guy is called um uh, d Appy, so Dappy, D-Appy, T-Keys, and he plays just instrumental worship, and, and he has a going, a 24-hour live stream, um, you know, constantly looping and playing, and, and you can leave that playing, and, and the atmosphere in your home can be changed, the atmosphere in your workplace, um, even as you're driving through town, many times I'll put on the shofar, and, and, and just leave it playing in the car. And I'll tell you, there's something about the shofar, the trumpet. And, and remember, you know, it's, it's I heard, um, I think it was Kurt Landry, Rabbi Kurt Landry say one time that, uh, you know, when, when we play our shofars on earth, God plays his shofar in heaven over whatever situation. 
And so um, the garment expressive of praise instead of a disheartened spirit. And because you see praise and worship, it just dissolves and gets rid of that that disheartenment, that, that sadness, that sorrow. So they can be called the trees of righteousness, strong and magnificent, distinguished for integrity, justice and right standing with God. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Look at that. You know that, that God actually plants you. And because of your praise, because the sin has been dealt with, because the, the, you know, the iniquities and all those things have been dealt with. And we need, that's why we need an understanding of righteousness. What is righteousness? That we have peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. That he has given us his right standing with God and taken away our sin and our iniquities. Well, the result of that is peace, stability, calmness, harmony, tranquility in a person's life. And out of that place, you cannot help but have worship come forth. And that worship actually causes the person to grow, be rooted like an oak of righteousness. Mm-hmm. You know, the oak trees, their, uh, their roots go, and we spoke about this, didn't we, Thursday night, was it? You know, that the roots of a tree, they, they spread for miles, both underground and across ground. And, and it stabilizes and keeps that tree standing. And not only that, but it actually causes that tree to be able to nourish those other trees in the forest and give them life, especially the weaker ones. And this is what we are to do. Praise God. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And in verse 7 it says, Instead of your former shame, you will have a double portion. And instead of humiliation, your people will shout for joy over their portion. Therefore, in their land, they will possess double what they had forfeited. Everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery. God, you know, he will go after our enemies where the devil has stolen from us. Remember, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So God hates robbery. He hates thievery. He hates where where the devil has set up his children and stolen from them, destroyed or or tried to bring destruction in their lives. And, And he desires and longs for that relationship with that one where restoration can come but you see the thing is like we have to receive it and we have to be open to receiving it and often you find you know that people are resisting resisting the Lord and resisting his word and uh, so just want to carry on here with the scriptures if you'll bear with me in um, where will we go Uh, let's see Proverbs chapter 13 verse 10 book of Proverbs speaks, you know, so much wisdom. I, when you read, when you read various ones and when you come across them, you just go, oh my God, that's actually mind-blowing how, how profound it is. It's, it's a really profound book of, of God's intellect and wisdom being put into simple language for us to apply in our lives. And that is, you know, I suppose, look, that's what I'm saying is that we have to watch out for where the spirit of strife comes in. It comes in mostly through people, okay? Uh, because we get multiple opportunities for offense every single day. And we have to identify that and watch it. Because that's what stirs up strife. And uh, ultimately, I suppose, it comes from pride. And we read there in Isaiah 61, you know, how those who are humble, those who have humbled themselves before God... And humility, it's, it's the characteristic in nature of Jesus. He came and, and he humbled himself and he, he, he left aside his divinity and he became like one of us and he walked the earth as a human being and, and faced everything that a human being will face as a human being. He didn't face it with all of his divine privilege. He, he, he was totally... Um, you know, uh, submitted to the plan and the will of God. And um, in Proverbs 13, verse 10, it says, Through pride and presumption comes nothing but strife. But skillful and godly wisdom is with those who welcome well-advised counsel. 
And, you know, that's the thing. Look, we all have to take God's counsel. We have to take the counsel that comes from the word of God. We must receive it and we must apply it and we must do it. And that's what I'm saying is that sometimes what happens is we get worked up and stressed out because we're there, you know, looking at our loved ones or our families or our nation or our government and we're just seeing the crazy things they're doing and we're saying, you know, and, and it starts to get somebody worked up. But um, all of us have had to receive the word of God and, uh, you know, that's where the key is and where the breakthrough is. Um, in... So watch out and be on guard for strife. Proverbs chapter 20. Oh, actually on the way there, I think it was Proverbs 15. Yeah, Proverbs 15, 18. On the way to Proverbs chapter 20. In Proverbs 15, 18, it says, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger and patient calms disputes. So, you know, there's another scripture and it says, a soft answer turns away wrath. Mm -hmm. And and now when somebody tries to, you know, cause hassle or fighting or whatever, you know, and, and all you want to do is lash back even louder and because you know you're right, you know, sometimes you just have to leave it be and just a soft answer turns away wrath. So uh, someone who's slow to anger and patient will calm a dispute. It's amazing because what needs to happen, you see, is the energy needs to be taken out of the, the argument. And when that happens, that one is left there with nobody to fight with. And you keep your peace. Remember what Paul said in, in Romans, isn't it? As far as possible, as much as depends on you, live at peace with all men. As much as depends on you. There's some people it's not possible to live at peace with. And you just have to remove yourself, you know, or, or, or just leave them be for a while. And, and release them to the Lord. And God is faithful. Um, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 3. When it speaks about men here, it's talking about mankind, men, women, children. It is an uh, Proverbs 20 verse 3. It's an honor for a man to keep away from strife by handling situations with thoughtful foresight. But any fool will start a quarrel without regard for the consequences. And so here, you know, God says that, that it's a fool who will get engaged in fighting and strife. But it's a wise man and, and one who is honorable, who will step away and who will, with thoughtful foresight, will think about what the consequences are here. Um, remember, remember, I'm just reminding myself, God disciplines those he loves. <laughs> Proverbs 26, verses 20 to 28. It's going to get worse. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> um, Proverbs 26.20. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer who gossips, contention quietens down. Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a whisperer or gossip are like dainty morsels to be greedily eaten. They go down into the innermost chambers of the body to be remembered and mused upon. And you know, that's mentioned several places in, in the book of Proverbs. I think it's mentioned in three places. That the, and, and what he's talking about here is where, uh, where you hear something about somebody. What happens is, is that... Your, your, your picture of them is skewed. Um, I remember Kenneth Hagen saying years ago that when he'd go to um, a new place to preach or whatever, he said, straight away, you'd have one who'd come up to give you all the information. You know, and he said <laughs> that um, in one particular place anyway, it was really bad what... And, and he said, uh, your, whatever guy was, was relating, I'm probably saying this wrong now, but whatever guy was relating the, the, the misdeeds of whoever in the church to him, he turned around to him and he said, I don't believe a word of it. 
I don't believe one word that's coming out of your mouth. Because, you know, this is the scripture, is that when somebody starts saying something to you about somebody, it actually goes down, it says here, into the inner belly, or the innermost chambers. It's talking about your kidneys, your liver, and your stomach, the elimination organs. And you look at people who are dealing with issues uh, and cancers and various things like that. Very often, it's, you know, where something has taken root and caused conflict, caused strife. You know, this, this strife is dangerous. Even medical doctors are now telling their patients, especially those suffering with mental health issues, they are now telling them, listen, you need to go away and, and forgive and, and, and find peace uh, with other people because it's actually, uh, it affects your, your physiology and your body. It's the root cause of so much sickness, not just in the person who's dealing with it, but often and more often in the children. Because the word of God says that the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And one thing about what the Lord said in Jeremiah then later on, he said, no longer because of the Messiah and because of the gift of salvation, no longer will it be said the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set in edge. So there's freedom in the word of God and freedom in the covenant of his blood uh, for people and for families from curse going down the generations because Satan is never just after you. In fact, you know, he's just using you or, or that person who's being used as a vessel. Who he's after is the children, you know. And so um, in verse 23, um, Tim, you wouldn't turn down the dial. I think people are getting a bit hot there, <laughs> if you want. Uh, it's on the wall there, the white thing. Yeah, you can turn it down to like 20. Thank you. I had it up at 45. <laughs> I, just, I just see Meg getting a bit hot there. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, in 23, like a common clay vessel covered with the silver dross, making it appear silver when it has no real value, are burning lips murmuring manipulative words and a wicked heart. He who hates disguises it with his lips, but he stores up deceit in his heart. Remember, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And so you'll find that. And you need to, you need to have discernment to see what spirit is working with people. And how you'll find it out is by what's coming out of their mouths. Mm -hmm. And if somebody is constantly telling you about all of the things that have uh, happened to them or that were done to them or that, you know, whatever, you need to just, you know, use discernment and wisdom there. Because, um, you know, it's, it's what's in the heart um, is often what's at the root of, of people's issues. Always, actually, sorry. In verse 25... <coughs> When he speaks graciously and kindly to conceal his malice, do not trust him. For seven abominations are in his heart. Though his hatred covers itself with guile and deceit, his malevolence will be revealed openly before the assembly. Whoever digs a pit for another man's feet will fall into it. And he who rolls a stone up a hill to do mischief, it will come back on him. A lying tongue hates those it wounds and crushes. And a flattering mouth works ruin. Okay? That's fair, heavy going, isn't it? Proverbs um, chapter 17 and verse 14. Jesus, you know, when the uh, disciples asked him about the end times, they said, tell us what will happen. Three times he mentions deception. And he mentions deception in, um, uh, as a consequence of strife and offense. So deception will be rampant in the end times, but it comes about from strife and offense. And strife and offense comes about from pride. We just read there in the first scripture. So here it says in verse 14, Proverbs 17, 14, the beginning of strife is like letting out water as from a small break in a dam. First it trickles and then it gushes. Therefore, abandon the quarrel before it breaks out and tempers explode. 
And if you notice in verse 13, it says, whoever returns evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. We need to be careful because the Lord said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. God is the judge, not us. And Jesus said, you know, why did Jesus say this? He said, I did not come to judge. I came to seek and to save the lost. Judgment day is coming. Of course it is. But it's coming in the day of the Lord. You know, we are to judge ourselves. And that's what being born again means. It means humbling yourself before God and crying out for forgiveness for our sins, receiving his forgiveness, being brought back uh, into right standing with God through the blood that Jesus shed and no other work uh, and uh, acknowledging that. And then, you know, that's why he says, while there's time, seek me. Seek me while there's time on this earth and I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will turn back your captivity. That's in Jeremiah 29. Okay, in the book of Titus, I promise you it's going to get better, (laughs) but not yet. (laughs) Okay, the book of Titus, we read this last week and it's been on my heart all week long. It's, uh, oh sorry, no, that was Jude. Uh, I'm not going to go to Jude actually. Titus is in right after Timothy. Sorry about that. I'm going to go to Jude at the end, maybe if we have time. Titus, in chapter 3. Well, in, in chapter 2, first of all, in <coughs> verse 11. Titus 2.11. For the remarkable undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires and to live sensible, upright and godly lives. Lives with purpose that reflect spiritual maturity in this present age. Awaiting and confidently expecting the fulfillment of our blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Christ Jesus, who willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf to redeem us and purchase our freedom from all wickedness and to purify for himself a chosen and very special people to be his own possession who are enthusiastic for doing what is good. So that's what he's saying, you know, that there's... doing what's right and then in chapter 3 Titus 3 in verse 1 remind people to be subject to the rulers and authorities to be obedient to be ready and willing to do good to slander or abuse no one to be kind to be kind and conciliatory and gentle showing unqualified consideration and courtesy toward everyone for we too once were foolish and you know that's the truth Where would we be if we hadn't heard the word of God? Exactly the same. (laughs) We once were too foolish and disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various sinful desires and pleasures, spending and wasting our lives in malice and envy, hating, hateful, hating one another. But when the goodness and kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared in human form as the man Christ Jesus, he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we have done, but because of his own compassion and mercy by the cleansing of the new birth, spiritual transformation and regeneration, and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out richly on us through Jesus Christ our Savior, So that we would be justified and made free of the guilt of sin by his compassionate, undeserved grace. And that we would be acknowledged as acceptable to him and made heirs of eternal life, actually experiencing it according to our hope and his guarantee. And he said, I want you to be to speak with great confidence so that those who have believed God. Um. And accepted Christ Jesus as Savior will be careful to participate in doing good and honorable things. These things are excellent in themselves and profitable for people. But avoid foolish and ill-informed and stupid controversies and genealogies and dissensions and quarrels. For they are unprofitable and useless. After a first and second warning, reject a divisive man 
who promotes heresy or causes dissension. Ban him and have nothing more to do with him. Well aware that such a person is twisted and is sinning, he is convicted and self-condemned and is gratified by causing confusion among believers. And that's the thing, is that when you get involved in strife and in quarrels and in all kinds of, you know, slandering and gossiping and discussing things and trying to break things down and, um, you know, what's the word? Um, trying to just bring your own Holy Spirit slant rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to operate, you know, uh, what happens is, is that it, it not only will cause hassle, for the ones who are already involved, you now are getting drawn in, and then you're drawing in many, many more people as well. And that's, it's a ripple effect. And we have to be careful of it. And um, in Psalm 133, the silence is deafening today. And, you know, that's always the way when, when, when offense or, or disharmony is being spoken about. It's, it's, you know, because I think all of us, if we're truthful and honest, we all get we all get convicted and challenged. And yeah. <laughs> nope, still no response. <laughs> Only me again. Oh no. <laughs> you know, if this Psalm 133 talk, talks about harmony and um, about the oil of the of the Spirit of God and. It's just that if I'm not living in harmony, everything is going to be skewed. My, my view of God, and like we said earlier, you know, we're to love the Lord our God, love our neighbor, love ourselves. If I'm not living in harmony, if I'm living in conflict or pride and, and strife, what's going to happen is that everything I see is going to be skewed by, by that perception. And like we said on Thursday night, Perception is reality. The way that I perceive my world or the way that I perceive you or what you've done or him or her or, or that situation is going to be my reality if my mind is not going to be renewed. I'm actually going to believe, you know, and that's how people get deceived. They believe a lie then. And um, so if I'm not living in harmony, everything is skewed. My view of God, and that's why I can't receive from God. My view of others, and that's why I'm constantly at odds or in opposition or at, in strife with others. Everybody's the problem. And my view of myself. And what happens is my view of myself becomes the victim. Everybody's against me. Everybody, everything is working against me. And we have to be careful because we are not victims. We're overcomers. You know, I may have been a victim of something in the past. Someone may have committed a crime against somebody and, you know, you became a victim of that crime. But the thing about it is, are you going to live your life forever as a victim? Or are you going to realize that you're a survivor and not just a survivor who's existing, but that God has called you to be an overcomer? And to find out how to overcome that thing that caused that victimization. This is powerful, lads. And I know that I know it, that I'm not the only one who this is for today. Okay? You know? And the thing is, is we need to realize that how is my perception? Because it's, if it's twisted, it's going to skew everything. And nothing will work out. Like we read there earlier, you know, uh, for somebody who's, who's uh, living as, uh, you know, I, I can't remember the exact words of it now, but, uh, you know, there's always going to be hassle in their house. Always going to be hassle in the house. And that's what we need to watch out for. Because it's not just about me. This is about my seed and my legacy. And um, so that's why we, we need to break those things. And we need to fight against it and fight for harmony in every area. If, if, you, if you hear something bad about Rose, right? Take me. You hear something bad about me. Um, and if you're anyway spiritually immature or lacking in, in maturity, 
you will only view Rose through that thing that you have heard. And that's what we read there earlier about those words go down deep into the innermost belly. They rest inside there in the, in the cell memories and, and they start to distend and start to cause abnormality in people's cells. And this is where sickness and disease and curse comes from and failure of all kinds. You're only ever going to realize. And, and you know, that's why Kenneth Hagan, I remember when it was one of the first things I ever heard him say. And I, at the time I thought it was odd. And he said, I don't believe one word that you're speaking. Not one word. I'm not going to take it. Okay? Now, that's not to say that you're in denial. Okay? That's not what he was talking about. But, you know, there is, uh, uh, I suppose, a way of living. And we've just read it there in Titus. There's a way of living that's according to the word of God. It's a way of integrity. You know, God, God has such integrity. And God is so honest. That's why I'm always, you know, telling you. And, and you know, we have all those various, um, what are they called again? <laughs> What's it? Um, no, you know, down on the board to do with the, the charities regulator. You know, the, a new governance code came in there last year, the year before. And there's like all of these policies and, and um, protocols. And, and so much of them are about openness and honesty. And I, I actually thought it was just absolutely brilliant. Because I'll tell you, God wants us to be honest in every area of our lives. And if we can't be honest and open, you have a massive problem there. Because what's hidden underneath, it's, it's always going to be going on inside of you. And it's better off to, you know, spit it out um, and, and to be able to deal with something with somebody. So if you hear something, you know, you're better off to go to that person and ask them about it. Another time I heard him say, actually, I think it was Kenneth Hagan or might have been one of the other guys anyway, but and he, he said somebody was saying something about um, whoever, and he said, you know, let's let's have a meeting and, and bring him here, and we'll, we'll discuss it and talk it through, and your man said, oh no, not at all, you know, you know he ran away, and, and you know, that's a sure sign, that if something can't be brought out into the open, well then you're in, you're in deep, you know. So, um, we must identify and unlearn you know, so much in the, in the Word of God is about unlearning crap and relearning the right way. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. You know? And we must unlearn negative attitudes and thought patterns and, you know, things that cause us to be habitually offended or habitually victimized or habitually fearful. We, we need to unlearn those things because they're bad attitudes. <laughs> I say to my children all the time, I'm not accepting your bad attitude. Change it immediately, you know. And I still say it to them, they're adults now, but, um, you know, but we need to get a fresh, uh, a word-based love perception of, of, of reality. And we need to look for the good in others and not the flaws, because all of us have flaws. All of us have failings and flaws. And, but, you know, we have to look for the good. We can't constantly meditate and look at the bad things in people. And so we have to also encourage the good things. We learned this, you know, uh, in, when I used to work in, in preschools, um, catch the good behavior and praise it. Ignore the bad behavior and just keep focusing to try and, you know, teach them the right way, explain things. And I'll tell you, I believe actually all of us are basically uh, just small little children in bigger bodies. <laughs> That's the truth, because it's, you know. But anyway, so here in Psalm 133. Are you bored yet? No. Oh, getting tight, tight, tight on time. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity and harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil. You know the anointing oil that God directed Moses uh, to make and, and Joshua in the Old Testament? That anointing oil had several components and it was very valuable and consecrated and set apart. And they were warned not to make that oil for any other reason except for ministering to the Lord. So this is what he's talking about. How precious, it's as precious as the anointing oil. This, this uh, ability to commune with God uh, actually affects us to such an extent that we should be the most harmonious, tranquil, and joyful people. You know, that's what it means to let your light shine and to arise and shine. Harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head and ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. 
Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there, where? Where the harmony is and where the unity is, where the oil is, there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. Amen. Hallelujah. In uh, Psalm... Uh, in, in Micah, you know, Micah chapter 6, verse 8, the Lord, if you want to go there, um, it's one of the minor prophets, and he's like after Nahum, I think, oh, before Nahum, and after Jonah, is that right? Yeah, Micah, in Micah verse, years ago, when I came across this, this would be one of my life verses, because I have to remind myself of it constantly, <laughs> And I always put my own name into it. It says, he has told you, O men. And I say, he has told you, O rose. <laughs> what is good? Um, actually, Ray Watts, who is it? Someone has a song of that. He has told you, O men, what is good? And what does the Lord require of me? To do justly and to love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. So he's told you, what is good? God has told you what he considers to be good. To do justice. So to do what is right. To make sure that everything that's done is what is correct and right. Not underhand, not evil, not wicked, not hateful, not offendable. But what is right. To do what is right, to do justice, to love mercy. So... We need to love mercy because we need to give it every single day, several times a day, multiple times a day. We need to give mercy and to walk humbly with your God, to humble ourselves, not to be filled with pride. Because as we read earlier, the one who's filled with pride, that, that uh, you know, is, is a, a, a total open door for destruction. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, This is the love verse, the love chapter. It's actually, if you, you can't really read 1 Corinthians 13 without reading the preceding chapters, you know. And in verse 12, it's talking about the body with many parts and about how each part is anointed for different works and different jobs. And then it goes into saying that... You know, the best way of all to carry out this. See, people love to call themselves titles. Personally, I'm not into titles. And I don't you know whether that offends people or not. But I just think, what will I be called in heaven? Rose. I won't be called, you know, uh, evangelist or pastor or, you know. That's a role that you do. That's a, you know, a job. And it's a calling and an anointing on a person's life. As, I, as far as I see, you know, when they talk about Elijah in the word of God, they say Elijah. Or they say the prophet Elijah. Uh, and so that's just my own thought there. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but don't love others. This is 1 Corinthians 13. I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And I think that there's plenty of noisy gongs and clanging cymbals in the church. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I have such faith that I could move mountains but don't love others, I would be nothing. Imagine that in God's eyes. Someone who doesn't love is nothing. If I give everything I have to the poor and even sacrifice my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. 
is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Love never fails. Prophecy and speaking in tongues and special knowledge or words of knowledge will become useless. But love will last forever. Now our knowledge is only partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, and this is what I really want to show you, is that, as I said earlier, many people are living in the past. They're living still imprisoned. It's the reason Jesus came, to set the captives free, to release the prisoners, right? Both physical and spiritual prisoners. People who have been imprisoned in their emotions, in their minds, in their lives, whatever. And this is how. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. Amen. You know, we have to put away the childish things. And God is calling his church, his ecclesia, he's called out once. He's calling us not just to know the word of God, but to actually know him and to leave behind, to put off the old man and to start walking in the ways of godliness and to start actually living in the freedom that Christ brought for us. He paid for it with his life and with his blood. He endured all the mocking, all the shame so that we wouldn't have to. And we have a decision to make. Uh, you know, something I hear Andrew Womack say a lot, and I really like it, is that God's word is either true or it's not. And if we're here, you know, spending time studying the word of God, we need to make that decision for ourselves. Either his word is true or it isn't. And, you know, if it isn't, we might as well go way down muckers for a walk for yourself because it's, it's, you know, it's pointless. And that's why you have people who are half in, half out. And, and that's why there's living, they're living in defeat. And it's so important to get real and get serious with God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay, would you just break bread? And as we're, as we're doing that and getting ready for that, I just want to read to you from, from John chapter 4. Bring me a biscuit, Georgine, as well. Sorry, thank you so much. I have a drink. Thank you. Um, in John chapter 4, when Jesus met that woman at the well, you know, and she was... Thank you. No, no, you always do, and I, I always have it. But no, you're fine today. I didn't. Thank you. Um, that woman at the well, you know, she's representing all of us and all of those that we pray for, really. And uh, he said to her... Um, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But for those who drink the water I give, you will never be thirsty again. He said, you know, you can drink regular water and you'll thirst again. But for those who drink the water I give, you will never be thirsty again. It becomes, the water becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And out of their innermost being or out of their bellies shall flow living water. Now earlier on we saw that, you know, the, the tasty morsels that the enemy gives people uh, goes down into the belly, into the innermost being. But here Jesus said, you know, there's a washing and a cleansing available from this living water. And not only is it going to bring you life, but it's actually going to flow through you. Um, the, the living water is going to flow through you. And remember in Ezekiel... It says that there's, there is a river that flows from the throne room of God and it flows to and through those who will believe him. You know, we are to be vessels of living water Amen. that everywhere we go, we bring this rejuvenation, refreshment, uh, a different way of looking at things. And uh, so, praise God. And um, finally, as we, as we finish uh, and... and um, break bread just, I just want to read for you from Galatians chapter um, 
think it's 522, the, the fruit of the spirit. Okay. Yeah. Look, I don't have time to go through the other things, but you know what they all are, the, the evil works of the flesh. And in verse 22, he said, but the fruit of the spirit, the result of his presence within us is love. Amen. Unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience. And that word patience, it says here in the Amplified, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature. nature. So what I notice about the fruit of the Spirit is that it's really a fruit of mostly giving to others. Goodness, kindness, gentleness. And, you know, our attitude while waiting. Um, patience. Uh, joy. And uh, that's what we're going to pray for here. <laughs> Asha, look, if it's only me needs it, it's okay. But anyway, you, you can join in, look. Don't worry. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So let's take the bread. Thank you, Jesus. So let's say this together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I take this bread in remembrance. You might just mute there uh, and on Zoom there as well. Sorry, it's just that the recording is on the other side here on the phone. That's okay. Um, uh, thank you, Jesus. Um, I take this bread in remembrance, bread in remembrance. Of, Jesus, of Jesus, of his body, of his body being, given being given for my body, for my, body my, life, my life to be healed. To be healed. Lord, Jesus, Lord Jesus, as I eat this bread, I, this bread, I, celebrate, I celebrate what you did for me. By your stripes, I declare I am healed and made whole in Jesus' name. Amen. You can take the bread. Thank you, Jesus. As we take the cup, we'll say together, Father, Father in, the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, your son, your son I, thank you I thank you for teaching me, for teaching me the, way I should go. the way I should go. Thank you for forgiving me, thank you for forgiving me and washing me, and washing me of, all my sins. of all my sins. That's why I take this cup, That's why I take this cup to, remember to remember that Jesus, that Jesus paid, the price paid the price so I could be made right with so you. And set, free, and set free, released, released from, imprisonment from imprisonment and slavery, and slavery to, sin and to sin and death. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus your, word says, your word says that on this earth, on this earth I, am I am to live the way you did. The way you did. That's what the scripture says. As he is. As he is, so, am I, so am I on this earth. On this earth. So, Lord Jesus, so, Lord Jesus, I ask you, I ask you make, me an extension make me an extension of your hands, of your hands to, those I touch. to those I touch. Let me be your. Let me speak with your mouth, speak with your, mouth your, words your words to those I speak to. Those I speak to. Let, me let me bring the gospel of peace. Of peace. Everywhere my feet tread, let my ears be open to hear your voice leading and directing me. May my eyes look at others and myself and the world the way you look at us with your perception. And may my heart beat in synchronization, in synchronization with your heart. With your heart. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And we just finish with saying this Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus you, said you said that when I drink, when I drink 
of your word, of your word. The, living water. the living water. When I eat, when I eat the, living bread the living bread of your body, of your body. That, I will never hunger, that I will never hunger or thirst, or thirst. but instead, but instead rivers, rivers of living water, living water will pour, will pour through my life, life and extend extend everywhere I go. go. Use me me and my life life for your glory. glory. I renounce renounce every spirit of strife, strife, offense, offense, judgment, judgment, criticism, criticism, accusation, accusation, slander, slander, gossip, gossip, hatred, hatred, and wickedness, and wickedness that I have ever, I have ever indulged, in, indulged in, entertained, entertained or listened to. to. I repent of it. I, repent of it. I, renounce, I renounce the victim mentality, the victim mentality. and I choose, I choose put off the old man and put on the new man, the garment of righteousness, filled with the joy of the Lord. That's how I'm going to live. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just say this as well. Uh, Father, any trace of toxic emotions, negative thinking, mindsets, or attitudes that I have been groomed to believe by the devil, all deception, I renounce those things. Anything that has controlled my life or my family, even generationally, I now break all association and sever and cut every card of wickedness with the kingdom of darkness I refuse to listen to the lies of the devil any further and from now on I set my face like flint to live a joyful victorious life that you won for me at the cross in Jesus name Amen Amen. Thank you Jesus Amen You know we've dealt with a few topics the last few weeks and I just feel led to tell you that over the next um, couple of weeks possibly the next couple of Sundays I'm not sure but I really feel the Lord's heart in this that we will be holding baptisms here in our new baptismal tank and I just encourage you to consider it and to, uh, to see that we are about to uh, go into a new season. And I thank you for your patience today. I know this was long and I know it's heavy going and I just take authority right now over every demonic thing uh, that's being, uh, you know, in any way stirred up or triggered. I command it to leave in the name of Jesus and I declare freedom in Jesus' name. And I just tell you that, uh, you know, we are going into a new season and yes, it may be a season where there will be, we will see a difference between those who serve the Lord and those who don't. But but for those who, who know God and for his, for his children, you know, you need not worry because God always rescues and, and uh, upholds and, and carries his children through every season. And like I said, you're not a victim. You're not uh, helpless. You are a child of the Most High God and an overcomer. And so I encourage you to know that uh, the two Sundays times, two Saturdays time actually, it's the, the new Hebrew year. It's the year 5784. And it's the year of the open door and the open portal. And so I encourage people to, to consider, you know, to come and say about they want uh, to be baptized and uh, to walk into this new year as a fresh season and a new start in Jesus' name.